everyone. This is Raphael. And I'm Lauren. We're the Pacheco siblings, and welcome to the Hypercube Podcast, the talk show in which two siblings converse about anything and everything. So I wanted to briefly open this podcast uh, with a uh, talk about Ukraine, because even though all of our episodes thus far have released after the invasion of Ukraine began, Still, this is actually the first episode we're recording after that happened. Mm -hmm. Obviously, circumstances have vastly changed since the last two episodes we've recorded. Yeah. And I don't want to spend too much time here for a number of reasons, uh, just because, you know, a, you know, I don't want it to be too much of a downer if there's anybody coming to this podcast as like a way of escape from that sort of uh, those sort of affairs. And also the fact that information and news on that is changing very rapidly on a daily basis at this point. So really anything we can say may likely be antiquated by the time uh, you even listen to this. And also, you know, I don't want to talk too much about about it analytically, which is, you know, how we would sort of talk about it perhaps in some of our casual conversations. But I think there are people out there who are contributing to that conversation a lot more meaningfully than we would be able to. Mm hmm. And, you know, we don't bring any sort of expertise to the table, I don't think, when it comes to the the geopolitics or the tactics or anything like that. So I would just want to take a brief moment to at least acknowledge Ukraine and, you know, as the sort of elephant in the room and maybe speak a bit more personally about our thoughts about it uh, rather than, you know, logistically or academically in any sense. So I don't know. How have you been feeling? How has that been kind of sitting lately? When I brought this up to you, uh, earlier, which at this point was several weeks ago, like I, I remember saying, we invaded Iraq, the U.S. invaded Iraq in my lifetime. Right. Like I remember when that happened. Yeah. I do not remember feeling like this when it was my country going to war. Like this is a completely different feeling, and I just I don't know if it's just because I'm older now and I have a better understanding, and I just have. There's, there's more context for me to understand what is actually happening, even though this is not my country. Uh, our country is only like tertiary. Uh, it's only involved like tertiarily, if, that, if that's even a word. It feels a lot more impactful to my life directly than when my actual country went to war in my lifetime. Yeah. And that's not to mention 9-11 as well was technically right. also within both of our lifetimes. I honestly have no recollection of it. I would have been very young. Yeah. Uh, I know most people are supposed to remember where they were when it happened, but even that like impacts like our nation. It was a lot yeah. more directly because that was an attack on our soil. And even that, again, I don't even remember it, but like this historical moment right now just stands out to me a lot more. And it is probably more so, yeah, a, a maturity thing like you were suggesting. And yeah, it's been obviously it's just tragic and it's really troubling and it's really occupied a lot of my thought and prayer life as of late yeah so i suppose yeah that's sort of been our initial reactions to it but again i don't want to linger too long on it uh, and i don't want to be exploitative of it at of all course. in any sense so just yeah i guess to anybody who's out there is listening obviously there's a lot of feelings to process for just about everybody right now but it's been very interesting to see unfold these massive events that are just having such a wide impact but it's been kind of encouraging more so than anything to me to see how globally unified the reaction has been 
Yeah. Um, that is true. Even, like, even within Russia's borders, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, there's, there's been so much opposition. It feels like for the first time, a, we're seeing a lot of agreement on something that is truly terribly bad. Yeah. Just everybody's just collectively on this, on the same page for this. Pretty much uh, the only people that I can tell uh, who basically have anything other anything else to say about it that doesn't seem like a genuine emotional reaction have an agenda of some kind or unfortunately uh, are uh, subject to a kind of propaganda that is not what well, we'll get into you know we don't want to get too much into that but it yeah. just it seems like An for the most part bottleneck yeah it seems like for the most part everybody who has had a an emotional and a, a genuine emotional reaction to what's going on everybody agrees this is not good yeah yeah for sure but anyway, so like I said, don't want to linger on that too long, right. but definitely didn't want to go without acknowledging it either. And yeah, again, in sort of talking about establishing the boundaries that we wanted to have for this podcast, again, this podcast is young, so we're still trying to figure that out. But we also don't want to ignore stuff that we would otherwise be talking about mm-hmm. in our conversations, seeing as yeah, that's the basis of this podcast is trying to just put the conversations that we normally have. Uh, on display so to speak yeah and we're still after those we're still trying to figure out the scope of this podcast and what we feel comfortable putting out there from our of our personal opinions yeah and our personal lives even yeah because obviously in our casual conversations we'll talk a lot about just personal stuff that probably doesn't need to be out there yeah of course and i I don't i being a uh i guess what's the term a uh public individual a Mm -hmm. public person a person of public interest it's not really my intention. I don't want people, I don't want the tabloids to be following me type of thing. Right. I don't, right, I, right. I don't like the idea of having my entire life being open. However, my opinions are free. <laughs> and I think like I mean, that's, there's a certain amount of our yeah. personal lives that I would be open to sharing just insofar as they would be beneficial for others. I think, of course, um, right. and especially I think as maybe perhaps not with more recent events, but Perhaps as we get older, we'll see, you know, what we feel more comfortable sharing about and what we think can be of value from our own personal lives and stories yeah. to helping others. Especially as somebody who has uh, or just like talking from places of experience, we, we eventually we want to be able to talk about these things openly. But of course, after going through um, the process of. Yeah going through the process of incorporating it into our life and then being able to talk about it with wisdom as opposed to reactionarily. Yeah. Because as much as we'd like to think we know everything, we are still young and we are still, we're not even 30 yet. (laughs) Yeah, we are. Yeah. Neither of us are 30 yet. And really there probably is a lot more, as you say, development and healing that needs to be done before we can talk with any wisdom about any of our experiential stuff. Yeah. We have gone through a lot and we have processed much of it but i don't think it's gotten to the point where there's where we're at a point where we can teach about that yeah yeah for sure but anyway so getting away from the heavy stuff for a moment well i suppose we got a lot to talk about we have a laundry list of topics that we have not been getting through yeah, very we, quickly because we have we, made a list <laughs> <laughs> well i want to talk very briefly about so oh first i guess I don't want to ever want to be too uncomfortable about plugging other stuff on the show. Can of we course. agree about that? Yeah. Like if we think stuff is dope, we'll talk about it. Absolutely. I'm all about platforming other people who yeah. 
I, it's like, I don't even care. It. It's like, we're, you know, technically everybody's competing for everybody's attention in the content sphere, but like, I don't want to think in those terms. I want to no, no, speak I, conversationally no. here. If I want to talk, if I, okay, if you're my friend, <laughs> I am going to show you stuff that I like so we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so like we yeah, are, totally. yeah. So like we want to be able to show you listener of this podcast, dope stuff so that you can understand what we're talking about <laughs> and, and get excited with us. All right. So that being said, uh, let's talk about some competitors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about other podcasts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to talk about other podcasts a bit. Well, I mean, we both, it's weird because podcasts are a thing that I have not historically been into, but in the last couple of years, especially I've been getting more and more into the podcast world. And that's what led to really solidifying yeah. uh, wanting to do this as a podcast. But yeah, I've, I've, there are a lot of podcasts I listen to. I know there are a lot of podcasts you listen to as well. Mm-hmm. And there are, uh, there are probably some overlap, but also a lot of distinctions. I think we have a very different uh, sort of resources and yeah. things that we go to podcasts for. But one of my favorite podcasts is called the Holy Post Podcast. It's hosted by Phil Vischer, who is most known for being the creator of Veggie Tales, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge part of um, our childhood for sure. And yeah, still, you know, very big cultural piece of media in a lot of evangelical circles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he created Veggie Tales. Um, it's got a number of other people: Sky Jitani, a former preacher and uh, author. You've got uh, Christian Taylor, Caitlin Chess, you know, uh, Christian Taylor uh, being a filmmaker and Caitlin Chess, more an academic type, but mm. great roundtable. Yeah, you people. got yeah, quite the spread of academic study. Yeah, yeah. And so they recently celebrated their 500th episode, which was super awesome. Um, I actually episodes. think it's a great jumping on point for people who are curious about that podcast because they actually recap a lot of the major topics of conversation that they've been having over the past 10 years doing mm-hmm. that podcast for 500 episodes yeah i was gonna say like is, is that that's a weekly right yeah it's a weekly show i was right? say so that would about be about 52, that's a 52, 52 weeks yeah. a year so yeah that is 500 episodes is about 10 years that's insane approximately I, right yeah. it's gonna be like it's closer to like 520 but like yeah. if you're it's, at 500 you could talk about it's this. basically I mean, that'd be a much weirder milestone. <laughs> like, it would, that would trigger someone's OCD. Yeah. But anyway, they actually put out a call for their patrons, of which I am a supporter, looking for people to submit voice memos to be part of their 500th episode. And I was like, hey, I really support this show, and I really like what they do. I think they have very intelligent and nuanced conversations about culture and politics from a Christian perspective. And so... I was like, I have a great recording setup and I really support the show and I'm all about what they do. I think I'm going to go ahead and go for that. And I actually made it into that 500th episode special, which was kind of a highlight of my week. Yeah. When I realized that I had that I had that episode queued up to listen to because I'm um, I think you said, like, if there's any one episode to listen to, this is like one of the top five. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. This is definitely. Yeah. If you listen to any one episode of the Holy Post, because you don't obviously normally listen to that mm. kind of content. But yeah, I would. Yeah, I would highly recommend it uh, if you listen to any one, because, again, it's just such a microcosm and a touchstone of like everything they've been talking about right it's also the only episode maybe not the only episode but one of the few episodes so far that has both christian and caitlin in the same episode because Ooh. usually they it's like kind sw- of swap off yeah they kind of swap off that slots kind of open to the both of them and they change it uh in and out whenever depending on who's available mm-hmm. and yeah and then they're all back in studio it was, it's just it's really cool but it's a really fun podcast it genuinely, like I said, it has very nuanced and intelligent commentary and 
conversation, but it's also just incredibly entertaining. Yeah. Phil Vischer is a genuinely hilarious guy. Yeah. And uh, all, all of them are just such great personalities uh, and really deep thinkers. Right. Like, so, it's not exactly the kind of thing I would go out of my way to consume, but I always enjoy whenever you bring me juicy stuff from that podcast. And it's like, oh, yes, let's talk about whatever <laughs> it is we talked about this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And plus, yours truly makes a little bit of a cameo in that episode. So all the more reason. <laughs> but there, it, it is a great episode. And they have a lot of great little bits just for that episode. They call it an extra, a 500th episode extravaganza. And it is oh, you got to make it special. Genuinely an extravaganza. Like there's so much like because Phil also makes all the jingles for their podcast for all whenever they can transition to segments and stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. And so he made a couple of new songs for their 500th episode. That are all really <laughs> great, including one that's basically just designed to be a summary of their past 10 years of podcasting. Just called uh, it's just called Crazy. And it is a hilarious and awesome song, but also a genuinely succinct summary of the past 10 years of evangelicalism. It's like, <laughs> it is it's like the we didn't start the fire of the oh. evangelical subculture. Uh-huh. It's a great song. <laughs> I'm glad they put out the music video as a standalone. I could probably I'll just show you the show you it afterwards. Oh yeah, it's, for sure. It's great. <laughs> we can post that reference down in the description. Yes, yes. Or the show notes. We're show on notes, podcasting that's what it's called. now. Yeah. We'll definitely link everything we're talking about uh in the show notes. And I also kind of kind of backtrack a bit uh we mentioned ukraine at the beginning and how there are a lot of people doing uh, a lot more informative discussion and conversation about the nitty-gritty of the geopolitics and other information uh regarding that conflict we'll probably link some of the resources that we've been yeah using like our new sources yeah our information pipelines uh just in case anybody wants to dive deeper with that but like i said i don't think that's something we're in any position necessarily to do yeah We'll mostly just be uh, regurgitating any information we've consumed anyways. We don't have any actual, like, primary source information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, precisely. So anyway, that was just something I wanted to gush about because yeah. that, was, that was, again, one of I mean, those highlights exciting. of my week. Getting on, I mean, Raph, getting on a podcast is exciting. It is exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. We should get people excited about coming on this podcast. You but should. that's coming soon. <laughs> if you want to get on this podcast, well, I guess you have to wait. <laughs> you know where to reach us we have a website now <laughs> yeah we do and it's dope you should go look at it it's uh we've yeah, been projects.com a... just to say verbally yep. within the projects.com we've been doing a little bit of uh i don't know what you would call it renovations um, renovation oh, yeah. yeah it's looking great now yeah <laughs> so yeah you can always reach us there and of course you, you could it's it's pretty easy to find our uh contact for p cubed um because it's on the youtube channel and stuff as well so and not to mention, I feel like I, we should plug this more often because we plugged it once and, and then just sort of let it sit where all the links are found. But our Discord server, the right? Yeah. Community Discord is probably like the easiest way to access and interface with us directly. Just directly talk yeah. to us. Yeah. Like, yeah. And just we're, and we're also there. to meet everybody, you know, that's a part of the P-Cubed family and our entire community. There are all sorts of people that we kind of interact with on that community server. And there are some people that are like regulars to our content, either in our Twitch chat or in our comments and other places that are on there as well. Like it's, it's a fun time. Yeah. So yeah, we don't do enough plugging. Have you ever considered how little we plug stuff? Man, Raph, the only plugging I do is my ears lately. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You've been uh, getting back into piercing. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I recently had a, 
I, I just had this urge to put all my piercings back in. Like I took them yeah. all out when I came here or not like immediately, I think within a couple of years of coming to uh, PA, I took them all out. And then recently I put them all back in. <laughs> yeah. No, what prompted that? I have no idea. Just, <laughs> I, I, genuinely don't, I think it was just more so the fact that, that we talked about this earlier, but we went on a, a big personal journey of, uh, of mind, like, like discovering kind of, myself and, yeah. and realizing that it's like you know yeah like re just reconnecting with myself and realizing that i think piercings just are a really big part of my identity and i did miss them and i missed having that option for self-expression mm -hmm. so i i put my plugs back in i put most of my facial piercings back in i'm, I'm not going all out like i did in high school <laughs> thankfully I'm, I'm a little bit more tasteful but a lot of them are going back in and i'm oh my gosh i have learned so much since i was a kid i am now actually putting like good jewelry in my face that won't destroy my teeth <laughs> that was a problem when i was young um i have two tongue piercings and when i was a kid steel barbell with steel ball ends in my mouth hmm. destroyed my teeth oh man so many chips oh my gosh it was a bad time but now acrylic nice like plastic basically um i can chew on these all day and i won't break my teeth right it's great right. i love it but yeah yeah, that's interesting. Now, here's a question, because, you know, obviously you're also. You know, even though you're uh, super artsy, mm -hmm. I think I mean, obviously, we're both artists of sorts. Yes. Artists. You're also like, uh, I think most people, perhaps uh, who only interface with you publicly, you know, through our content, right. don't entirely realize you're also like a hard pragmatist as well. This is true. This so is that's true. what I was often wondering about, like when it comes to piercings and just like implanted jewelry you know yeah. what i mean it's like how does that work from a pragmatist perspective when you're always thinking about like self-defense and situational awareness and all that this is something that i had to come to grips with uh well one of the reasons at first i thought i wanted to take my piercings out uh was because like oh yeah if i'm gonna practice self-defense and all this other stuff if i have a steel a piece of steel on my face and someone punches me that's not going to be good. That, like that's going to dig into my flesh. That's going to cause huge bleeding, and that's going to just be a whole mess of problems. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to take them out so I can, you know, practice self defense and not have to worry about getting punched in the face. And then I realized, if I'm getting punched in the face, something bad has already happened. Right. <laughs> getting punched in the face with a piece of steel in, my, in like my lip isn't going to make that any worse. I've already gotten punched. The point is to not get punched, <laughs> not to make getting punched hurt less. Right. Right. So I was like, okay, so if I have jewelry shouldn't matter if, for example, if I'm practicing self-defense and having situational awareness, having a piece of jewelry in my face shouldn't matter because I shouldn't be getting punched. Right. You're saying so like, like getting it, punched in, in the face with jewelry is just as bad as, as getting, getting punched, punched in the, the face. face. Yeah. So <laughs> like was, it's just as bad a situation. Yeah. So I was like, uh, why was that even a consideration of mine? Well, obviously uh, I was also young and dumb. That's mostly it. I was just, I was just uh, young and dumb and that's why I took them all out. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the holes like healed so i had to like re-pierce them anyways but yeah i put them back in i actually i'm not using steel uh or uh stainless steel for for much of my jewelry anymore uh, i'm mostly using acrylic so even if i did get punched in the face it wouldn't hurt as much what about grabby hands that's fine <laughs> well, that's you, you'll grab them right back here's the here's a problem too like with my ears oh so i also have two uh, gauges in my ears there's a top and a bottom the bottom one at its largest was an inch big so it's pretty big there it's pretty big it is never gonna be like a normal ear size again without surgery so without jewelry in somebody could still stick their finger in my ear and pull right so it, i might as well put jewelry in it make it look good <laughs> while it's there <laughs> yeah yeah but again yeah at that point like 
you know, if, if somebody's uh, resorting that far, yeah. like you could do a lot more hurting. In yeah. If somebody if somebody decides to like go for my ear, and it's like, I'm going to rip your ear off and be like, oh, OK, so we're at that level now. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Time to restomp the groin. <laughs> restomp the groin several times. Uh, you can take my ear. I'm going to take something else. <laughs> There's. Yeah, there was just a whole lot of that kind of, I don't know what you call it, like backwards logic that you find in a lot of self-defense where it's like, all right, we're going to teach you how to defend yourself from, uh, or like how to how to get out of being in the trunk of somebody's car handcuffed with like, you know, like 20 layers of duct tape on you. It's like, if you've gotten to that position already, you failed. You failed. Like, uh, yeah, you know, good luck getting out. But like, if you're good enough to get out of 20 layers of duct tape handcuffed in the back of somebody's car, you can also stop them from putting you in the car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of strangeness in uh, the broader self-defense yeah. industry and culture, um, but it's mostly, I suppose, a culture that evolved out of the industry. Yeah, it's, right, because it had purely, to make money first. Oh, well, it's purely sensationalism, right? Like bad news gets more press. So, like, if you tell somebody, "I'm going to prevent you from uh, getting hurt," I mean, the best advice for that is to run away every time. Uh, teach people how to run, and you have taught them self-defense. That's boring. <laughs> yeah. People don't want to be told, give me $500 a month and I will and I will make you jog faster. That's not fun. That's not why people right. purchase things. Well, it's also kind of preying on people's fears. It's true. Because yeah. it's like. It is inherently predatory, unfortunately. It's a kind of weird kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is very bizarre when you think about it. But yeah, it is kind of preying on people's fears insofar as what people think about Right. The reasons yeah. that people think that they need self-defense are what's coming to mind when they're walking yeah. through the doors. Right. Yeah. The, everyone so thinks they're of like the worst case scenario. Yeah. Everyone's thinking the worst case scenario is like, oh, what if I get, you know, kidnapped yeah. or, you know, any sort of thing? You know, someone tries to mug me on the street. It's like that's where everybody's mind is jumping to. Yeah. And they think of those scenarios and then think I need self-defense. Yeah. Like everyone's thinking of taken and not thinking like just have a buddy system. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing is Preventative even if measures. you look at even if you look at Taken, let's talk about <laughs> Taken for a second. Taken is, uh, I think, well, I think the first Taken, I haven't seen it. The other two. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to. But uh, the first Taken I have seen. Yeah. And that's actually, I think, a pretty well written movie, in my yes, opinion. Very well. written. Because if you really look at the scenarios that they present, situational awareness and a buddy system and preventative measures would have stopped them from getting kidnapped, right? Yeah. Like you see all the red flags, you see the enabling buddy, you see, you know, like lack of awareness of social engineering, right? Right, right. Like th that's pretty much all I think that scenario that they presented was, was the, the girl got kidnapped because of like with social engineering, right? They, yeah. they, they, it was easy to find out her information from somebody just walking up to her and asking her questions. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's it's, it's a pretty good PSA for yeah. proper self-defense insofar as if you ignore like the everything after the first act. Right. <laughs> right. Because yeah. well, it's like this, this is what happens. That's the part that everybody wants when they go after self-defense. Yeah. But self-defense would have been able to save that girl before she ever gets kidnapped. Right. Self-defense happens before you throw the first punch, before yeah. the first punch is ever thrown. That's when self-defense happens. I don't want to like straight up just put like a blanket here's what self-defense is but here's what self-defense is <laughs> are you ready for this pay attention that's number one <laughs> that's fair like uh know who's around you know where your exits are know where entrances are know how people carry themselves and what red flags are if somebody's being aggressive if somebody is drunk don't be around them if you are out in public and somebody is drunk not being around them is a very good way to stay out of trouble period have good cardio uh if you need to run surviving is or if you need to like get out of a situation surviving 
simply is outrunning the, your opponent. If you can get into a position where you can last longer than them, that's that's going to increase your survivability by a long time, or at least increasing your not survivability. I don't want to say like you're going to die, but it would prevent your chances of getting hurt in any way because people prey on people who are alone. If you can get from a place where you are alone to a place where you're not, getting to that place is crucial. But I guess that's basically it, is uh, know when to run and know how to run. Mm-hmm. And of course... Never risk your life for anything that's not worth risking your life for. That is true. If you, uh, yeah, that is uh, fair because there are also aspects of uh, those two things are how to not be a victim, how to prevent other people from getting hurt as well is something that you have to keep in mind when it comes to defense or I guess not the defense of the not self. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit harder to market. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, fighting that's just is what it comes defense. down to yeah <laughs> fighting is what it comes down to uh yeah. defense is a terrible defense by the way never be defensive be offensive uh the best defense is a good offense yeah just know if somebody is taking something from you give it to them uh if you can get another one it is not worth hurting yourself or somebody else over and it's worth noting i think uh most just so the point isn't argued uh that includes money because most people will yeah. say like i can't get new money i earned that money uh Meh. but it's like it's not it's it's never worth your life it, yeah uh, and also that making it so that you aren't in those situations so don't keep like a thousand dollars of cash on you so that <laughs> right, somebody right, comes right. you yeah. can cancel your cards it's yeah like everything so it's, else yeah is. so it's like hey you know, give me your wallet and your phone it's like okay uh that's locked that's gonna get canceled uh have fun with that piece of leather yeah uh it's those things you'll be where, very inconvenienced by losing your id though that is very true you should that's ask like 35 bucks <laughs> like, yeah 35 bucks to the dmv he's like hey can i get my id he's like no i want to know where you live <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah. well yeah. it's like you know consider just asking kindly it's just like look man i'm gonna cancel my card yeah you can't do anything with my license yeah. before i call it into the government also like, consider just can i can i please just keep just take the cash yeah i would also like to keep the leather wall like you can't do anything with that either yeah <laughs> also consider like where these people are coming from if somebody is trying to take something from you it's because they they are in need uh if somebody is like robbing you yeah giving them money is probably a good idea they might need it or rather giving them something is a good idea because they might need it giving them money might mean it might go to someplace else but like buy them a like food that might be an option like it's like hey you're robbing me i'm gonna all these cards are gonna get canceled i don't have enough cash on me for it to be worth it would you like a meal you, you just you just uno reverse carded this whole thing yeah and then of course you rob them <laughs> <laughs> how does that even work huh? no yeah like that like if somebody is resorting to that they are probably in a bad place well they're desperate they're desperate yeah so well, just that, consider now, being you, a human, you presented like a an human interesting being. scenario now i don't know if that was entirely uh genuine but <laughs> it is hilarious <laughs> to think about <laughs> it, it it obviously it is probably not like practical to do that but there there are edge cases where that might work <laughs> yeah because yeah. uh if 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 somebody's trying to take something for you just like just like being honest like they're not gonna seriously harm you because if they're already in a bad place they're not trying to make it worse yeah um, well it depends right it obviously depends there's a number of different factors yeah. and variables that you have to like, consider yeah. judgment for example, impairment if they're like yeah yeah, yeah. If they're mentally unwell yeah then you don't know what's gonna happen exactly it could go any which but, way and they won't be acting rationally th to begin that with. is true that is uh assuming that you have good um social uh, skills enough to understand when somebody is acting rationally through desperation or completely irrationally something is com if someone's acting completely irrationally they are like either impaired uh from drugs or other mental illnesses then just getting out of that situation as fast as you can is the safest thing to do yeah but if somebody is just like 
hey man I'm, uh, okay so this is also assuming like you are in some kind of position of power so like if you are like a store clerk and you're getting robbed i can pay for your groceries <laughs> like that's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That might be something that might be worth it. Like, hey, like, I'm not going to call the cops if I can just buy you some food. I'm not going to give you cash because I don't know where that's going to go. But I can help you at least a little bit. That might be something that may, might be uh, worth it if, like, you don't feel your life is in any immediate danger. There's so many other options to just, like, get out of situations using good social skills that aren't just fisticuffs all the time. Right. Which is what the self-defense industry largely tries to peddle. They really try to tell you to kick somebody in the, in the nuts really hard. <laughs> like they, they really want you to do that. I don't know why. <laughs> yep. Just hit them in the groin until they stop moving. Yep. Just... Which I've, I think I mentioned to you a while back. Sounds like the worst cause of death imaginable right. <laughs> is just like blunt force trauma to the groin until Re dead. Repeated blunt force trauma to the groin. Yeah. That's just like that is just something. That doesn't sound fun. Second to getting eaten alive depending on what your fantasies are, is like, <laughs> sounds like the worst possible cause of death. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, like, just, just imagine like having that coroner report. It's like, all right, so what'd they die of? Ooh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so not something I want to die of. <laughs> all right. Well, we've, we took a little bit of a tangent into self-defense. I guess that's something we have a lot of opinions on that I wasn't on our topics list, but you know what? It's something we talk about often. So there you have it. Prime content. Now, there's something we need to transition to a segment here uh, in a moment because this is our third episode and we haven't gotten to any of the planned segments we have. Right. Uh, but I want to talk briefly about Netflix's 2022 slate of films. Yes. Because they did a little promo a while back, basically as like it was a very inventive promo. Actually, yeah, I remember you told me about this. Yeah, I might show you. Well, I don't know. You don't you don't watch. trailers. Nah, I, well, okay, is so this is a thing. Lauren is this, is this a trailer? Lauren doesn't watch trailers. I don't watch trailers. I'm considering reversing that or that that stance. Really? You, it's you getting it's becoming it is becoming trailers. Uh, yeah, but it's becoming so inconvenient. Inconvenient to like my job. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. But here's the thing: in order to supplement this, I watch trailers constantly on a daily yes. basis. I pretty much have a few sources of trailers. It doesn't get me all trailers everywhere. However, it gets me the trailers for pretty much all the major films. And I try to keep up with the latest trailers on a pretty regular basis just to know what's out there and to keep up with the industry and to be able to pass on that information to Lauren, if need be, mm -hmm. as well as for my own like database, you know, even to just discovering new films. Right. right. It's useful for discovering new films where you see something that's just like, oh, here's a little indie thing that probably would have gone past my radar if I didn't get to see a trailer for it. And it's like, wow, that trailer was really inventive and really intriguing. Yeah. And that's probably something if it came across uh, my available routes of watching, I would take a moment to watch. Indie films uh, usually have excellent trailers because they kind of have to like a lot of indie films will live or die on yeah. how good the trailer is. Yeah. It depends on how successful an indie film it is, though. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> because if, you know, it was if it barely picked up distribution, you know, yeah. so I don't imagine they're going to have too much budget for the for the trailer. But you got to that's why you had to be creative with it. That's fair. That's fair. But if you're outsourcing your editor, <laughs> you know, I guess that's also the true. amount of money you put into it is going to be the amount of creativity. You yeah, get. I guess that depends on like how involved you are in the actual creation of your of your film. Yeah. Well, the creation of the marketing, at least in this case. So, I guess that's true because we've, we've kind of come at it from the point of like we have to do everything holistically. Yeah, yeah. We're, so. we're these, you know, classic millennial content <laughs> people, you know, that are just the the one man show. Yeah, we are the talent, the accountant, the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The manager, the agent. Yeah, it's ridiculous how many hats we have to wear. But anyway, we're getting beside the point right, right, right. Netflix. So I didn't realize they actually have a very solid slate of films coming up in 2022. Yeah, because I remember you talking about this and I remember being really excited about this thing that I didn't see. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they they put out a promo for it 
and this was a while back. Uh, this is uh, uh, isn't even recent to when we're recording this. Um, but I wanted to talk about it briefly with you just to catch you up on the industry a bit. So they put out a promo for it where they actually had they visited the sets of a bunch of these films that oh, were in production cool. and had in scene in character some of the actors recite different parts of the promo and then oh, like cut them all together. Okay, okay, okay. So they'll be like in cool. the middle of a scene from the movie and then they'll interrupt that scene to like talk to the camera for a bit right. about Netflix. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> it's actually it's it's actually a really cool That's idea a power move. <laughs> it's a super power move. That is a the power amount of production move. value that that promo has because of it is through the roof. Yeah. It's really inventive. It's a nice piece of marketing. Yeah, they actually have a lot of really dope stuff coming out. Uh, much of it isn't necessarily too like relevant to us. Like I think they're doing an Enola Holmes sequel, right? Right, where it's right. just like I get that that's exciting. That was a very successful film. We didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to seeing it. It just we just never ended up seeing it. Nah. Um, so it's like stuff like that. But I want to talk about a few things that are particularly relevant. Uh, I think to uh, our interests, or at least to yours. Well, first off, they ended it with a big reveal, which I actually did not know about until they showed this at the trip. A at reveal the the trailer. And then that promo. What is Netflix revealing? What what are they trying to do to get themselves bigger than they already are? There's a certain movie we're excited for that apparently is going to be distributed on Netflix. And I didn't know that okay. because it wasn't the first film was not distributed on Netflix. The first film is this. A, this is a, it's a sequel. A second sequel. Yes. It's a number two. A number two. Uh, genre. Mystery. Mystery. Modern. Yeah. Uh, huh. Am I going to be able to guess this easily? Oh, yeah. We do this a lot, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. <laughs> this is this is like a game we play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very easily, I would say. Oh, um, Knives Out. Yeah. Knives Out 2. Knives Out 2? Yeah. So Knives Out, the original Knives Out, great film, uh, was distributed on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And so the uh, sequel is going to Netflix. And it makes me wonder. How does because, that work? What? How does that work? Yeah, you would think these are like exclusive deals, but it turns out they're not that set in stone. But I wonder if this is a design principle for the franchise, because the thing about whodunits is that they're usually like pretty pulpy in the sense that each story is like standalone. The only common thread they have is usually the detective character. That's like the trope. And yeah, it looks like they're doing the same thing, right? The same thing they would do with like a Sherlock Holmes or a Hercule Poirot Mm -hmm. or anything like that. So yeah, Daniel Craig's detective character. Right. Benoit Blanc <laughs> is is returning and then different rotating cast of characters. That is interesting. But of like, like major stars, obviously, yeah. like with the first film. So, yeah, they're I wonder if they're doing that where they're intentionally going to make it so that each Knives Out film, since they are going to be like whodunit style standalone stories, are going to be distributed on a different platform. I honestly wonder if one's going to be on Hulu. <laughs> next one's going to be on HBO Max. That's probably. what it is. That'd be my guess. <laughs> So, well, I'm, I'm calling it here now. Knives Out 3, HBO Max. All right. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting. That, uh, is, that, that is fascinating. I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around all of that, actually. A Knives Out 2? And yeah, it's man. on, it's like, is it, I'm assuming it's exclusive distribution? I mean, with these streaming deals, it usually is. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to figure out, like, how, I mean, the, the title, Knives Out. It's very like ingrained into like the setting of the first movie though yeah but now it's just a franchise so yeah i guess uh do you want to know uh, very briefly who's in the the cast of knives out too hit me with that list because again it's we've talked about this or chris evans again (laughs) (laughs) uh we've talked about how with whodunits 
if you're adapting a whodunit for film, because most are adaptations, Knives right. Out is one of the few original whodunits. And a fantastic film. film. The thing with whodunits is that you have, you almost inherently have to have an all-star cast if you're going to make a, right. a film whodunit. Because well, otherwise- There's, there's only one of two ways to go, all-star cast or completely no one's- That's true, that's true. Those are, those are two equally viable options because anything in between and you can tell- who the yeah. survivor is going to be or who the killer is going to be or whatever yeah. the case is. It adds a level of meta predictability just from people's inherent understanding of the industry. Yeah. So, and I love that. I love that you kind of have to have, yeah, either uh, an unknown cast or an all-star cast for whodunits. And right. obviously Knives Out being of huge production value is always going with the all-star cast. So get this. Obviously, Daniel Craig is back. Of course. Ethan Hawke. Ooh. Jessica Henwick. Uh, who's that again? Uh, she was in that terrible Iron Fist show. Oh, uh, no, no. <laughs> she played um, Colleen Wing. That's her name. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Colleen, Colleen Wing. Wing, yeah. She plays the female lead in that Iron Fist show. And she yep. was in The Defenders as well. Okay. Yeah, you know her. Yeah. She was in Star Wars also, of right. course, and yep. a whole bunch of other stuff. Catherine Hahn, Edward Norton, Dave Batista. Oh, my gosh. Kate <laughs> Hudson. Uh-huh. Madeline Klein. Uh-huh. Leslie Odom Jr. Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Whoa. Oh, yeah. In the room where it happened. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, apparently. (laughs) Where the murder happened. Yeah, he wants to be in the room where it happened, not because uh, for any reason in particular, not to remove evidence or anything. (laughs) And Janelle Monet. I'm Uh not familiar with her, actually. I don't know. Man, that's... Batista. <laughs> yeah, Batista. Oh, I love Batista. B- Batista looks great. I love Batista. <laughs> they have, they his... show w- one shot from Knives Out 2 as their sort of fi- the final shot of the of the trailer of the promo. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, Batista already looks like a character. <laughs> I'm loving all the roles Batista is getting these days. Like, oh, yeah, I- I'm, I'm loving that he's getting more dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And comedic ones as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I should just say non-action roles. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. he's he's yeah, genre uh, stuff. Yeah, like he's all sorts of genre stuff. He's pulling himself out of that, um, you know, kind of niche that he pecked his way through. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, honestly, in my opinion, still like his best film role to date is such a brief one, which is his brief appearance in Blade Runner 2049. Absolutely. That is a genuinely compelling like performance from him and it's for a, such a tiny part of that yeah. movie it's like a cameo but it's so it's so integral to the film and he's so perfect in that role yeah that's i think that's a great testament to how much of filmmaking in terms of acting is directing you know what yeah. i mean because i think what we see there is how much a good director can get out of batista even though he's not the most you know, well, formally trained actor, mm-hmm. put him with a director like Denis Villeneuve and he can get something profound out of him. Yeah. That, that brief little, that whole scene is just so touching and, and genuinely it, like necessary to the story. Absolutely right? necessary, like it's, a, yeah. it's a perfect opening sequence in my absolutely. opinion. It's and, exciting. It's evocative and it sets the narrative events in motion. So well, yeah. And the fact that it's Batista doesn't detract from it at all yeah like usually if you have some big like name like especially if, it, if they're uh, being pulled out of a genre they're not like native to it can kind of it can kind of be a little bit of like a, a shock to see somebody that you're used to acting in a certain way on screen completely different like the fact that it's batista does not pull away from that scene at all it just it, i mean it elevates it actually you know when the climax of that scene hits yeah and yeah. it's it's just very very excellently done the whole movie is so good. That whole movie is excellent. Oh, yeah. Blade Runner 2049 is a masterpiece. I love I'll that movie. I'll stand by that forever. I love that movie. I want to see it again. Also, Catherine Hahn, I just realized. I was trying to see. I'm like, that name sounds familiar, but I'm not, I don't know her by name. Yeah. I was just double checking. I, I, she I was, played 
Agnes in WandaVision, oh, aka yeah. spoiler alert. Cover yours. Agatha Harkness. Right. <laughs> yeah. She I'm like, oh man. She's been a lot of stuff lately. Uh, I have seen her really around. put her on the spot. I have seen her around. Because first off, she's just one of the highlights of WandaVision. She's great in that show. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, so that's one last thing I wanted to hit before we uh, close out here. Yep. So do we have time to do a brief segment? A very brief segment. Uh, All right. Because, you better keep yeah. it 10 minutes or less. Oh, this is probably only so, going to be five minutes. <laughs> here's a little segment we'd like to introduce called Did You Know? So basically, oftentimes when we're having conversations, we'll just begin a string of tangent by saying, did you know, and then going into a deep dive on a subject that one or the other has just thoroughly researched sometime within the past week (laughs) or just kind of stumbled upon as a little trivia fact. Um, This is how I found out everything there is to know about the diamond industry from you uh, (laughs) out of random. So (laughs) what are you uh, informing me of this time? I don't remember what brought up this conversation. It came up very organically. though. Yeah. Somehow we ended up on this subject, but uh, in the notes, it's titled how V-necks led to nipple piercings. Mm hmm. Well, I actually know exactly how this came up. It's because I was listening to Off Book, the improvised musical podcast, and there's a <laughs> whole musical segment about uh, deep V V-necks. Deep V V-necks. <laughs> Did you know hmm. that since the dawn of time, humans have been putting holes in their skin? <laughs> and oh, okay. that is just a fact of humanity. We've been decorating our bodies with piercings and tattoos all over the world. All sorts of cultures have been decorating themselves in various ways, completely independently of each other. So we don't actually know when the first nipple piercing came around we're like we don't know who the first person was to think this is a good idea <laughs> but I'm somebody like, had nips yeah but somebody had that thought and everybody loved it <laughs> <laughs> Need, I, I, needless to say is what your is how you kind of appended that on <laughs> Just like, right it goes without saying it goes without saying and everybody uh, collectively thought that was a good idea no i mean maybe <laughs> but Clearly it lasted within like traditional cultures and like native aboriginal cultures uh, piercings, tattoos are more seen as, uh, I guess, more normal, uh, depending on, you know, areas, different kinds of body decoration are seen as normal. However, once we get into more civilized, which basically just means like Europe, uh, <laughs> what do you call that? France, England, those areas, decorating your body seems to be falling a little bit out of favor. However, around the 14th century, there was this trend to make plunging necklines, the like the fashion of I don't know, the century, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the necklines got lower and lower and lower until eventually, uh, in dresses, you basically had... A deep V. A deep V, <laughs> half, a, half a nip poking out, right? So it's like, well, I've already got this nip showing. I might as well put some jewelry on it. Yeah, this, uh, <laughs> so this was in uh, 14th century. 14th or, century. I want to say France. Um, this I was have, with men? This was, no, this was with women. Why are the, the women's nips hanging out? Because that was the fashion of the time. So oh, it was also France. It was also it's also France. That I'm sure that has something to do with it. <laughs> Historically, bare breasts have haven't been like as taboo as they are now. Apparently, that can be traced oh, really? back to I want to say the 18th uh, century. Uh, the Queen of England at that time, I want to say Queen Victoria, kind of made the fashion a little bit more modest, and mm. that started to become the civilized nation's standard for dress and then it became Mm. more modest people started to dress more with long sleeves long skirts but bare skin was not necessarily taboo all the time so plunging necklines totally a thing to the point where it's like 
might as well decorate them because they're already <laughs> hanging out there. Like I sneezed and one popped out. <laughs> so there's no confirmed cases, I guess. Well, there's anecdotal evidence of like high fashion women in the 14th century in France decorating their nipples with jewelry and piercings. And from that point forward, that kind of seems to be a trend, right? Deep necklines, exposed chests. And then suddenly we hit this wall where high button uh, collars, long sleeves, long skirts, no skin showing. And that kind of goes into... And that killed the nipple piercing. And fortunately killed the nipple. (laughs) (laughs) For better or worse, uh, the nipple has not seen the light of day in a favorable light since. But in the 70s, or I want to say early 60s into the 70s, the BDSM community brought the nipple back. Oh boy. Yeah. And that's always fun. But that's a whole separate thing. (laughs) But that is how the deep V... Wait, they brought the nipple back or they brought the nipple piercing? The nipple piercing back. Oh, also the nipple too. Yeah, yeah, I mean... (laughs) The the piercing piercing came with it when they tugged on the nipple piercing with a chain. (laughs) Okay, okay. That's that's enough of that for now. Yeah, but uh, Deep V brought nipple piercings into popular culture, at least for a few centuries. Fascinating, fascinating. But this is like before we had any conception of a V-neck, though. Like V-neck was, yeah, wasn't so, a, a branding thought. At no, that point. That, I mean I think that started around the time we started getting like T-shirts and like mass right. marketed, mass produced well, clothing. The industrial revolution wouldn't happen for a little while after that. Very, yeah. In which case, you would get mass produced, manufactured clothing. Yeah, and because things of that nature. All clothing. It's weird to think about, but like all clothing previous to cotton mills were all handmade. Yeah, all every single one of them. Uh, because like there wasn't somebody going out there like with a machine pumping out all these you know garments. Seamstresses were a very important job. So if you wanted a dress or you wanted any- anything, it would be tailored to your body. So right. yeah, everything was bespoke. Everything was bespoke. Point. So there was a lot of room for these people to experiment with you know different fashions and express themselves in different ways. So the deep V as like a concept. I don't think came around. <laughs> I don't think came around until whenever, the you know shirts became a thing. But yeah, it's for, probably for, for these Elvis dresses. Presley's fault. Oh, well, you know what? That is a very deep beat. Now I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a plunging for better or worse. <laughs> you see, I think I mentioned to you that they're making an Elvis Presley biopic that actually looks pretty good. Yeah, I, you, you told me about that. Uh, who's it's playing? Just called Elvis. Who's playing Elvis? I have no idea. I don't recognize the actor. Not a known. Never, I don't think I've seen. Not him a known before. actor. Okay. I mean, he probably is. I just never seen him. Right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, not anybody within like our, I guess, our specific, our specific experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A bit outside of that, but I mean, people, some people were complaining that he doesn't necessarily look the part, but he does play the part pretty well, it seems. Ooh, okay. Um, so yeah, that looks fascinating. It's a sweeping epic of a bi- biopic. Um, I know a lot of people say biopic, but I don't think that makes what? any logical sense. No, um, it's not symbiote. Yeah, dang it. Not the symbiotes again. <laughs> it's the same thing, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Symbiotes. Yeah. It's a, it's a word. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It, it is it, that is. That is very true. It is a word. <laughs> anyway, we're, before we get carried away right, on right. another tangent, I say we wind things down here. But thank you all very much for listening. Uh, as a brief announcement, some things have happened since the last time we recorded. First off, this show has premiered since we last recorded. It wasn't a thing true. for the first two episodes. We were recording in a vacuum. But now yeah. we have a show and we're being distributed. We got syndicated on a number of platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. And we're on Stitcher, for those of you who do the stitch <laughs> i don't know <laughs> apparently stitcher is very popular but i've I don't, never i don't use it i don't know anybody who does but i've literally never heard of it until you're like 
we have to syndicate on this platform. I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I use Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a Google podcast person myself. But the point is, you're probably on one of these. If not YouTube. Statistically significant amount of you are on one of these. <laughs> if not YouTube, uh, which is accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. So, well, technically all of these are, but it's just about preference. Right. But YouTube, anybody could get on YouTube. We got a video version of this podcast. It doesn't uh, feature any of our faces. However, because that would be way too much work. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to <laughs> not got, do that. We Yeah, we're trying to do less work, uh, not more, please. I say less work, but what we did instead... <laughs> was a really well lauren did a really dope hypercube animation which we talked about in the first episode so yeah uh that can be seen now yeah Um, avert your eyes uh if you stare at it for too long it will eat your soul something of that effect (laughs) it's very hypnotic so yeah wherever you find your podcast and prefer to listen feel free to find us on there subscribe uh definitely rate us on apple podcasts if you feel so inclined because mm-hmm. that helps people to discover the podcast um but even just listening to the podcast and subscribing on your favorite platform or following yep. uh, whatever they may call it those that always helps and that helps yeah. to get it out there and get the algorithms pointed in that direction being being like hey this is an active rss feed that people seem to be interested yeah. in just interact with it in your favorite way Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. You do you. Um, And of course, you can find links to all these on the podcast page on the website if you're getting a little lost. So, yeah, that's one thing I just wanted to plug before we end here. This show is now officially on the road, I guess. Not literally on the road, because that actually implies touring with it, uh, which we are not doing with this podcast. Not yet. Not yet. Anyway, (laughs) who knows what the future may hold? Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, this show is mixed and edited by Rafael Pacheco with theme music by Mono Memory. And until next time, we'll see y'all later. God bless. See ya. We have to come up with an outro for this thing, man. <laughs> I always say God bless, though, so I could do that. <laughs> yeah. But you got you to gotta work on your outro. Okay, fine. <laughs>